0: My name's Chris, I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning we're going to be continuing our series called Future Family, where we're examining the hearts of our family, hearts of all of All of our closest relationships. And did you know about our own human hearts? That if you put your hands together like this, that is roughly the size of a human heart. And that it weighs about 9 to 12 ounces. That it's pumping, it's beating 100,000 times a day. When you add that up to someone's lifetime, it's like 3 billion times. That it's pumping enough blood through our bodies to fill up 1.5 million barrels. And that it's working harder than the legs of a sprinter. Yet, As it's working, it is touching every single cell in our bodies except for one. Does anyone know what it is? It's actually your eye. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of these things until I looked it up on Google, right? I mean, it's amazing what you can find. But the reality is, it's like all those interesting facts. We're not thinking about that about our hearts. You know, when you hear things like that, it's kind of like, wow, that's amazing. Makes you realize, you know, how much you might take for granted. This morning, we're going to be talking about the heart of relationships, the heart of future family. Because much like our own beating heart, what's at the heart of our relationships and what's at the heart of our families is something that we often don't even think about. Because the truth is, like there's something at the heart of every relationship you have. But we don't think about that. We take it for granted. Yet, what's at the heart of our relationships touches so many parts of it. What's at the core of our relationship reaches and touches. What, What we're pumping through the veins of our relationships. Sometimes we don't even know how much it's affecting us. And as we start to talk about relationships, like we could start to talk about things that we could do, right? Like one website I found said, have open and honest communication. Good relationship relies on good communication. Develop people skills and emotional health. Respect and appreciate others. Acceptance, be, accept support and be supportive. Be positive. But what's at the heart of relationships, what's at the heart of our future family It's not just something we need to do more of. It's more than that. What's at the heart and the core of relationships is a way of life. It's a way of being. And it's motivated by something so much deeper than what we're doing. Your your heart beats 100,000 times a day, but you don't spend your day trying to keep it beating right? Heart health is one thing, but most of us don't have keep my heart beating on our to-do list, right? But yet it's there. It's working. You wake up in the morning and it's still going from the day before. like I said, the truth is, is that there is something at the heart of every relationship that we have. There already is something there and if we're being honest with ourselves, right? That something is often self-serving. But what does the Bible say about the heart of relationships? I'm so excited to teach this this morning and we're going to talk more about that. What's at the heart of relationships in a little bit, but before we do when it comes to relationships most of us who have been Christians for a while or maybe maybe even those of you that aren't followers of Jesus, you've still heard this in one form or another, is to love one another. In Matthew 22, Jesus is responding to the question of what is the greatest commandment, and Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like? What does that look like? In order to understand love at the heart of our relationship and as our, at our family, we need a biblical view of what love is. And, and most people, when we think of love in the Bible, you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and we've heard the passage. It's a beautiful passage, a beautiful image of what love is. Is love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. But did you know that the book of 1 John mentions the word love more than the letter to the Corinthians. In fact, the book of John gives an even better image of love in action. And this was a letter that was, First John was a letter that was written, or it could have been a sermon, but either way, it was written for the early church by John, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, and was one of Jesus' closest friends and one of his disciples. And look what he writes in John 3, in 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. So we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and for our sisters. This is how we know what love is. This is the measure of what love is. And right off the bat, John tells us that love is others oriented. Love serves others. Laying down your life doesn't just mean like to the death but it means setting your life aside. Putting others before ourselves. Love isn't focused inward, love is focused outward. It doesn't serve ourselves, it serves others. Right, here's a verse that I think is even more important when talking about the heart of family, when talking about the heart of relationship and our understanding of what love is. This is a very simple verse. He writes, we love because he first loved us. And if there's one thing that I want each of you to be thinking as you leave today and as you're thinking about your relationships, your closest relationships, your family It's this, is that God's love for you, God's love for you should be at the heart of every relationship you have. God's love for you should be at the core of every relationship you have. God's love from you should be what overflows into every relationship you have. That's where it starts. I think that when we think of love, most of the time, it, it is motivated by what we think we have to do in order to succeed in relationships, in order to keep relationships healthy. And it's true that that love will produce fruit, right? But what John is emphasizing is that that fruit isn't just something you do, it's a response to God's love. It's less about something that we generate on our own Think back to your own human heart. We're not thinking about all the energy that the heart is producing and creating in our bodies. We aren't thinking of the fact that it's working as hard as a sprinter's leg muscles. But it's working in us. It's affecting us. It's touching every cell, except for one, every cell in our bodies. And it's literally flowing through us. And what John is saying is God's love for you should be working in you. God's love for you should affect how you think of others. Should affect how you speak to others. How you give to others. Your generosity. Here's the one that really hits home. is what you say about others. God's love for you should also affect what you require from others. Sometimes in our desires to feel loved, we put it on other people to fill this void that only God's love is going to satisfy. And without a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, no relationship will ever satisfy that. And John goes on to use some pretty strong language that should make each one of us evaluate the love that is flowing through our veins of our relationships. In chapter four, four, verse 20, he says, if anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen He's basically saying that if, if anyone says, I love God, but it's not seen in how they think of others, how they speak to others, how they speak about others, how they give to others, I mean, it says it right there in scripture, then he is a liar. The translation could also, could also be taken as like a misrepresentation. It's basically saying like, if you say, I love God, but then you hate your brother and sister, then you don't got it right. This is convicting. Like, I barely like reading this in front of all of you right now because I'm thinking about myself. But that doesn't change the fact that it's true, right? What he's saying is they don't, they can't exist side by side. What he's saying is that you can't say, I love somebody without thinking of them first. It just doesn't add up. When you talk about biblical love, when you talk about that love that we show because he loved us first, you can't disconnect the two. Now you may be thinking, well, well, I I don't hate this person. But the word literally means to to love less or to esteem, esteem less or to think of less. In order to be able to say that you succeed in this, you literally have to be able to say that you live completely selfless. Completely selfless. And I know one person in history has ever done that. Right back in 1 Corinthians, that letter that, that Paul writes in, in chapter 13, that, that image of love, Paul even goes on to say that some of the most honorable things as a disciple some of the greatest things that a disciple could achieve, right? All knowledge, faith that can move mountains, giving away everything he has, even his life. He says, but if I do not have love, I gain nothing. I could do all of those noble things. I could do all of those Christian-looking things. But if I don't have love in my heart, if I don't have love flowing through the veins of my relationship." in others-oriented love, then he's like, well, what's the point? I've gained nothing. What he's saying is, and what he's challenging is, is what is at the heart? What is at the core? The love that is at the heart of your future family, the love that is at the heart of relationships is not something that is generated in you. It's not something that is generated. To, to succeed in a love that John is talking about, it's not something that is generated in you. It is going to produce fruit, and we are going to see acts of love. And this week, if you check the Next Step email and the Connect card that Tanya mentioned, We're going to send an email with some different ways that you can remind yourself through the weeks to pause and examine your own heart. But like I said earlier, God's love for you, God's love for you is at the heart, is at the core, should be at the core of every relationship you have. Earlier in the book of 1 John, John uses imagery of light and darkness, comparing those who hate as being in darkness and those who love as being in light. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Does the one who says he is in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness until now? The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light because there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness. He walks in the darkness, doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It says the one that hates is in darkness. And it's a blinding darkness. Walks in the darkness. How many of us know what it's like to try and walk in darkness, right? Right? Is it calm? Is it peaceful? Is it comfortable? No, it's awkward. It's difficult. It's annoying. It's annoying to be carrying something into a dark room and not be able to, like, elbow the light switch on. There's cause for stumbling in the dark in the darkness, literally and figuratively, there's cause for stumbling in the darkness. When it says that the, the person who hates is in the darkness, it's not saying darkness as this sense of like, it is this evil, but it's just, you can't see. Someone who hates his brother and sister, is like someone who just can't see. That's why they're stumbling. But let's be real, darkness is scary. Darkness is scary. John also writes in chapter 4, verse 18, that perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out the fear that is found in darkness. The person who hates, who's walking in the darkness... Scared. Darkness is filled with scared people. You know, we've learned in this series, like the, the, the baggage that we can bring into relationship and the baggage that others can bring into relationships. But sometimes, maybe most times, the baggage that gets brought into relationships is just a response in fear. But fear drives out love. And this is the truth, if everyone in the world loved like God loves, then there would be no fear. But then it goes on to say, but the one who loves remains in the light. I love this imagery because it, it literally reminds me of like a, that light switch kind of moment. For those who know the love of God, for those who have encountered the love of God, the saving love of God. What John's saying is there's a light switch that turns on. And it's like our eyes are able to see things differently. If you think about walking in darkness, as you walk through life, not not knowing anything but darkness... When you bump into something, it's annoying and awkward. When you bump into a person, when you bump into relationships that rub you the, the wrong way or personalities that just don't click. You know, maybe the type where you, you're, you're one way to the person's face, but you talk differently behind their back. That's what the darkness is. It's, it's a b- bunch of scared people broken in many ways, hurting in many ways, with a ton of baggage just bumping into each other because they don't know any different. It's the frustration that comes along with that. It's the hostility that comes along with that in relationships. But, the, but what John is saying that we as, as Christians, like we live in the light. We've been given a light. This light changes our perspective on everything. Suddenly the people that we bump into, the things that we bump into, they look different. They th- feel different. And Why? When we think about God's love for us, is show in how we treat others. Now when, when when John writes like we love because he loved us first, he's not saying, you know, love because God loved, so you should love. What he's saying is, without the knowledge of God's love for us, we'd have no understanding of it. We'd have no framework. It just wouldn't make sense. But for those of us who've experienced the love of God, like I I literally have a chair in my bedroom, a leather chair in my bedroom. It used to live down in a room where our fireplace is. And I can look at that chair and I can remember the moment in time where God said, Chris, I got you. It's going to be okay. I know you grew up in my house and you grew up in a Christian family and you've been saying all these words your whole life, but now you're going to understand them because I love you. And that doesn't mean when the lights go on, that doesn't mean that all of those people and objects aren't in the room anymore. There'll be a day where we don't have to worry about any of that, but it's still there and you're still going to bump into it you're still gonna stumble, but the lights are on. And when you run into people, the lights are on. And when you run into temptation, when you run into sin, the lights are on. Because we have a love that was first. We have a first love that changes everything. And when it comes to relationships, it changes relationships. Now when you think of that spouse, that as you grow older and as your marriage goes further, it becomes harder and harder to relate to that person. That person is just as afraid as you are. Without the lights on, without that context of God's love first, you're not going to be able to see. But With those lights on, it should change how we look at people. My, my best days in my marriage is when there's, when there's conflict in my marriage. The, my, my best moments are when I can look at my wife and I can see the little hurt girl. Because I know her story. And I know her experiences. And I know the baggage that she brings. When she's doing things that hurt me, like my best days, are when I'm able to see that person, it's just in fear. who just wants the lights on. We become more compassionate to people's stories and struggles because God's love is at the heart of it. Josh said back in week two that whether we realize it or not, good or bad, our family of origin marks us. Well, for those of us who are part of God's family, that's our family of origin story. And that marks us. When we become a part of God's family, shown through his love and mercy and forgiveness, it marks us. God's love for us marks our relationship with others. God's love for us puts a mark on our family. I realize that You know, there there maybe are some people here who, who haven't experienced that love, who aren't in a relationship with Jesus, who haven't had that transforming power come over them. And some of us who are Christians, you know, there are people in our lives that are just hard to love. There are some relationships that are hard to work through. But just for a moment, for those of you who are Christians, I want to ask you this question to go back to. Where were you when you encountered God's love for the first time? What did he bring you out of? What did he bring you through? What did he rescue you from? What was that thing that you, you know, turned away from in that moment that you decided to follow Jesus? Jesus. And that thought alone should negate any reason for us to think that someone else doesn't deserve the same thing. And for, for those of you who, who are maybe going through life in darkness and maybe hearing about this love, maybe something completely new, completely different, then this may be the moment where God is inviting you into a relationship with him. A deeper relationship with him. One that is purposed and overflowing with his first love. Because this verse is true for every one of us, whether we're a Christian or not. Romans 5.8 That God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, while we were sinning, Christ died for us. (laughs) God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinning, while it was still happening, Christ died for us. Christ's death makes a way for us to experience this love. And this love is a supernatural thing, right? Amen? This love isn't something that we generate. This love is something that we're filled with God's spirit as he promised. And we're able to be given this perspective. The lights turn on. If you want that in your own life, God loves you. God's made a way for you to experience that. He's calling you to receive that. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. You know, like within the context of relationships, right, it's because we're trying to, to funnel this through our own relationships and our own lives and our own understanding and, and maybe people are coming to mind or relationships are coming to mind. Just grab onto that verse for a moment. And while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. And you start to think about these people, and it's, you know, or certain people or certain situations. But just for a moment, just think about this. Just think about the fact that the Creator of the universe, completely holy, can't even exist near sin, can't even exist in sin. Loves so much. But it creates a way, a selfless, sacrificial, loving way to bridge that gap. When you start thinking about people who are hard to love in your life, situations that make it hard to love, that's saying, This is how I loved you first. That whole idea of turning the lights on and just seeing other people. Maybe the fears that they bring into relationships. When you compare it to God's love for us, can't you start to see how even those people that we find hard to love, we're all pretty much the same. We're more alike than we are unalike compared to God's love for us. But what John is saying is let that be the core. Let that be our reference point. If any of you heard that, anything I've said this morning and you're like, yeah, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna love better tomorrow. This, is, this has really got me, Like, this has got me going, I'm gonna be a better husband, I'm gonna be a better wife, I'm gonna be a better friend, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love better tomorrow. That's great. But I guarantee you it's only gonna last so long. I guarantee you. But if you wake up every morning and you say, you know what, I'm gonna take 15 minutes every morning And I'm just going to sit in that truth that while I was still sinning, God made a way. If you commit to to waking up every morning and just allowing that framework, right? We love because he first loved us. He gave us a framework of what love is. If you woke up every morning and just said, all right, this is my framework. I'm going to stare at it. I'm going to sit in it. I guarantee you, it will affect every relationship you have. But apart from a relationship with Jesus, we're in the dark. To go and encourage one another, serve one another, go, out for, go all out for one another, But make that love that's at the heart of your relationships, make that love that's at the heart of your family a response to God's love for you. That's where it starts. That's the only place it ever needs to start. That's the only place it ever can start. If you don't know that love, know that God loves you. Know that God has made a way for you. Know that we as a church exist to, take, to help you take the next, your next step in that relationship. Some of our prayer team is going to be up front at the end of the service. I'll be up front at the end of the service as well. If you feel that God is moving your hearts or calling you into a relationship with him, then one of us or myself would love to pray with you, would love to help you take that next step. In, in just a few weeks, we're going to have baptisms as part of our service and we're going to be able to see people who have are going to publicly declare taking that next step. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your love. God, it's as simple as that. Like we we would not know this love without you. How we just, we just now just sit in awe of who you are, knowing who we are, but knowing that you are just like continually moving towards us. There's nothing that's going to stop you from moving towards us. We just have to accept that as truth, but God, I pray that our worship is a response to that. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for just coming after us the way that you do. Help us to be more like your son, Jesus. Help us to to be more like, you. to love more like you love. Build that into us build that into our families, build that into our relationships, build that into our church, God. We thank you. We praise you. In the mighty Son, Jesus' name, amen.